0: In Dublin's fair city, where the girls are so pretty and all that kind of thing. Well, my friends, Agitators Anonymous, episode 180-something or other. Um, I previously had planned um, a podcast about something completely different. And then last night happened to walk through the city uh, through a riot, as you've probably seen on social media, on your news reports, on all sorts of things like this. Um, literally, you've seen pictures of you know the city on fire and that kind of thing. So today's podcast, for better or for worse, I'm going to try and talk about it, um, discuss it, what happened, the reasons why it happened. Of course, this is pretty, you know, dangerous territory, maybe because already we know this well enough that almost every single thing that happens now in modern society is immediately inserted into the structure of, um, you know, the culture war or tribalism or all that kind of thing. So I'm going to try and put some nuance and context into explaining uh, some of the things that maybe happened yesterday and also about Dublin. And, well, like I said, I literally walked uh, past burning, um, you know, burning buses and burning, well, a burning city last night from one side of the city to the other, um, just to take a look at what was going on. So um, you can't uh, listen to this and go, well, you weren't there, you were. Well, yes, I was and saw it with my own eyes. So let's um, Agitators Anonymous. Previously was about something, you know, just sort of a nice commentary about um, old bands playing old albums and, you know, did the crowd know them and all that kind of thing. It was a bit of a music industry commentary, but I'm going to try and, well, maybe I'll get to that. Maybe I'll get to that, but I'm going to discuss a little bit about what just happened in Dublin. My main, uh, I suppose my main first impression was the, um, it's very strange being in a city that is where riot is taking place. You can sort of stand at a reasonably safe distance. um, Well, so you think. There's a very tense, strange sort of silent atmosphere in the city. And I walked from one side to the other. From the Anybody who knows anything about Dublin, you know traditionally, the north side is called the dodgy side, and the south side is the posh side. And walking from the north side to the south side, um, I was struck by the very strange uh, mood in the city. There were helicopters buzzing over overhead everywhere you went. As I walked um, the north side of the city, there was buses on fire. There was kids in North Face, kind of, you know, um, jackets with face coverings flinging shit at the guards. That's our police um, who were there with riot shields and they were charging... Uh, groups of kids, there were Lewis's, which is our trams, they were on fire, there were buses on fire. Um, it kind of looked a bit like a war zone. And I walked, as I walked from the north side to the south side, then on the south side is where our parliament is, our doll, there were riot police everywhere, and there were um, like posh women in fur coats trying to like pet the horses, because, you know, there, there was not much happening on the south side yet, but the police were kind of braced for what was about to happen and they were you know kind of chatting with people coming out of christmas parties who were obviously sort of unaware of what was happening and you had these pissed posh women uh, tottering along in high heels um trying to pet the horses and literally i'd just come a couple of hundred meters from where kids were flinging rocks at the police and setting fire to stuff and setting fire to buses. Uh, Very strange atmosphere. Everyone stood around kind of watching lots of people filming everything. People standing at a safe distance watching what looked like a scene from, well, I mean, let's be honest, it could be a scene from kind of every European city at the moment, and I'm going to try and talk about that in the podcast as well. Um, It's a very strange, odd feeling watching it kind of unfold in real time right in front of you. I happen to be playing a football match and then um, was stranded way out on the north side of the city near the airport and had to make my way back into the city. But but you had to kind of get off and walk through the city to come back across. And I thought, well, all right, let's go and have a look at what's happening. And true enough, um, just the bottom of the street looked like it was ablaze. Um, to put a couple of things in context, because instantly everybody's going to rush to tribal judgments, what this was about would appear to be, appear to be, you know, don't forget, I'm not a news source. I'm just a singer in a heavy metal band who does a podcast. But a um, a an Algerian man, um, a national but of Irish citizenship, has been living here for, I think, 16 years or something, um, stabbed, I think, a woman and three kids who are in critical condition at about 5 p.m. rush hour and sort of broad daylight in the city center. Um, which, of course, you know, loads of people um, he, uh, rushed into the scene. He seems to have stabbed himself, and you know, almost been killed by onlookers who well, went to beat the shit out of him. And like chaos unfolds, chaos unfolds. Then he's taken to hospital. Kids are taken to hospital. Nobody seems to be dead yet, as far as I know, although that might change. And do something like that in broad daylight with just tons and tons of people around. There already been tension simmering um, between. Local inner-city people and the cops over various things, and to put it in context, and I think you need to kind of put this in context before it descends into tribalism and people argue about the semantics of words. Because don't forget, um, what actually happened is that someone stabbed three kids um, standing outside a nursery. Now, don't let that be forgotten. That that's that's what actually happened. Okay, so the scenes of you know buses on fire. Um, which we've seen before in Dublin. Don't forget, I'm reminded of the Love Ulster Parade, which was maybe 10, 15 years ago, where I'm in an attempt at reconciliation with the loyalists in the north. They were invited to march down O'Connell Street in Dublin and uh, local scumbags, um, inner-city scumbags. You know, let's just... yeah. If you've been to Dublin or if you're from Dublin or you know Dublin or you know Ireland, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. The same kind of people who came to the Snoop Dogg um, Swedish House Mafia show... And, you know, knocked the shit out of dozens of people. And there was lots of stabbings at that as well. There is a huge contingent of people within Dublin that you should be dead wary of. And they're from Dublin and they will come out for a rock to protest, to riot, kind of um, at the drop of a hat. So, you know, you're going to read things where it's going to say it was far right protesters with our, you know, crazy ideology and this the other. You know, there might be a, a, a few people like that within this group of people, but that's not really it. It's um, it's people who are just from you know the inner city who are, or and the surrounding area who are just young, angry men in it for the rock who'll just come out to fling shit at the police no matter what. And I think you see this replicated throughout every um, protest that's been happening in Europe in big cities, which feel like a tinderbox post lockdown but I'm reminded of the Love Ulster parade which turned into insanity and I went down to look at that at the time and there was smashed windows and they were tearing up the streets um, and lads in Celtic jerseys that's a football club from Scotland just fighting with the cops and it was mental I'm reminded of um, English football hooliganism which arrived in Ireland um, for this famous um, you know, they tore up the stadium, parts of the stadium. must be late 90s, early, mid 90s. I um, oh, must be mid 90s because Jack was still in charge, Jack Charlton. Um, various other points. I've seen protests and riots in the street. Not, I've never seen quite as many things set on fire as last night. But Dublin has this um, air about it. And if you've never been here, it's, it's changed a lot now. It's quite gentrified. But back in the 80s, growing up as a teenager... You could be in a fight and on a Saturday in town um, every half an hour, every 20 minutes. I don't exaggerate. But if you were long hair, you were going to get into a scrap with lads with tracksuits. Uh, we used to have beat on the street, which was like an open air, um, sort of supposed to be like a sort of, you know, um, disco kind of thing. And it just always descended into chaos and fights. If you're from Belfast or Glasgow or Bradford or Leeds or, you know, Swansea or Cardiff, you'll know what I mean that I'm not exaggerating. And this was the same in the early 90s. Then ecstasy came into Dublin, calmed things down a bit. Then we had a lot of cocaine violence, early 2000s. There's, it's a, it can be a rough place. Now, of course, the city has gentrified and moved people out from the city centre. But make no mistake, um, it can all kick off here. And last night, it all kicked off in spectacular style. Um, and, you know, people just were just going absolutely fucking crazy, fighting with the cops. So to try and put some context on what happened, um, you know, nobody knows quite what was the motives behind the attack, um, mental illness, perhaps. I mean, I certainly can say that since the lockdown, the pandemic, which I openly, you know, opposed lockdown on the podcast, and all that kind of stuff, an awful lot of people were locked out of their. Um, treatments. They weren't able to get whatever medication they needed. And you see the repercussions now still. There are lots of nutcases walking around the streets. Around the corner for me, there's uh, several little gangs of lads from different places who gather. Um, you know, you will you will see people wandering up and down the streets talking to each other or talking to themselves. Junkies. You will get violent outbursts. There's there's lots of stuff in the streets that hasn't been resolved um, since lockdown where a lot of people probably who had to get medication um, didn't get. some. this is not to absolve anybody from anything, but um, there is no, um, you know, they don't know yet. Was there some response from this guy who stabbed these kids? Was it something to do with they ruled out terrorism? it's very hard to say because, of course, the cops are mindful of allowing too much information into the public because it can, um, well, you'll get more protests like you saw last night. They kind of want to keep a lid on that. I don't know. Nobody, no, None of the um, people who were witness to the attack have come out saying that they fit. They thought that it, there was some sort of um, religious motive to it or Islamic motive to it. Um, it doesn't look like that. Looks like a crazy dude um, stabbed a bunch of kids. I mean... And unfortunately, the riots are going to take away from what was such an incredibly uh, dark thing to happen in broad daylight. And so all the papers are, you know, going to be of burning um burning cars and burning buses. But I don't think we can really comprehend all this without saying that it feels having traveled around Europe quite a bit now since lockdown ended. There is. Tension in the streets, and it's part of it is the cost of living crisis. People are finding that they just don't have the money, and there is um big big unrest and much resentment towards the state towards governments um don't forget you know maybe your middle class um observations of lockdown in the suburbs where you had a you know you could work from your you know your laptop the pajama class as well, as I called them back with agitators anonymous at the beginning am um, able to work from home thought it was lovely playing the garden oh what a nice break from everything but if you were um, a working class family with four or five kids trying to teach your kids in Zoom in a small little um, tiny apartment in the city centre and maybe a father who was a taxi driver or something and you couldn't work life was a bit more difficult so there's been built up tension and resentment and um, in those areas, um, you know, the government has also been moving migrants into hotels and in some of those areas, hotels which are shut in lockdown. The whys and wherefores of that situation aren't really aren't really exactly known, um, but definitely it's caused tension with locals. I went down to look at a few of those protests. I mean, I live right in the city centre, so it's not hard to get on your bike and just have a little look around. And, um, you know, there's been tension. There's been tension. There's been no doubt about that. And then add in, as I said, Issues with rent, rising rents, people not afraid, you know, you know, there's no jobs and there's always in Dublin there's been this um, generation of people who've been in welfare traps, who've been, um, you know, um, big, big working class areas which resent the police, which resent the state, resent the government for whatever reasons, uh, local community reasons. Um, And every now and again, this kind of flares up, but it doesn't usually flare up. Um, after such a horrific event as children being stabbed, you can't really think of anything more dark or extreme than that. So for the kind of people who are tut-tutting it, you know, everybody tearing the streets up, I mean, I get it. It's, it's awful to see this happen to the city. It's awful to see, um, you know, hundreds of people out in the streets destroying stuff. Um, but, you know, you can, if you're really, really kind of like coldly practical about it, you could see this was going to happen. You could see something like this was going to happen as soon as something so extreme. You don't, you don't, you don't, um, you know, your city doesn't have a, a stabbing of children in the broad daylight and have no reaction from no one. So, um, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy stuff. But anybody who's from Dublin or from Ireland will tell you that things like this can, um, not maybe not quite as extreme, but they can kick off here. And that... Dublin does have a history of things like this, but certainly to put it in a con- in a broader context, it feels like many places now there is an uh, there is a big the moment. Let's say the the era of upward mobility that came to most European cities, um, or most of Europe after the let's say Berlin Wall fell. That sort of ni- early nineties to the crash of two thousand and eight. I often say that that's a period of upward middle class mobility throughout most of Europe. Um, You have um, Eastern European countries beginning to, you know, a tide beginning to rise for them um, as communism was dismantled. Um, You have, you know, foreign multinationals pouring some money and work into previously impoverished countries such as Ireland, such as Ireland.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, If only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at
0: slash host. We enjoyed a sort of window, about a 16, 17 year window of relative upward mobility. And then somewhere at the crash of 2008, uh, on the surface, Ireland seems like a very rich country. It seems to be doing very well. But this is really a sort of multinational cause, as in uh, companies are doing, companies with foreign investment are doing very well and making a lot of money. But the trickle-down effect to your average working-class person in Ireland um, isn't huge, isn't huge. Middle-class people who've kind of, you know, are sheltered from some of these things may disagree, as I said, the pajama class, or um, I'm sure the the journalists of... Um, magazines tip-tapping away in their local artisan bakery about how awful the working-class people are, Um, don't really go down into those areas. I don't really know them. I think it's the same with um, almost every um, marginalised, tribalised sort of group. Now you get one group writing about the other saying how awful they are from either side of the political divide without them ever really taking um, on board their concerns. And so you get this sort of growing, fermenting resentment. Um, And, you know, in Dublin, um, you know, you have pro-Palestine marches in Dublin. There's been, you know, Ireland has always been very pro-Palestine. And let's be clear, is that some of the same people tearing up the streets last night, setting fire to stuff. If, let's say, for example, at a pro-Palestine march, um, the cops had got heavy-handed and, like, clobbered a few people who were protesting, um, those same people would have appeared... Um to, you know, push back against the cops and the same kind of thing could have happened. Um you've you know, it's only been a, a few months ago since a friend of mine showed a video he took himself out his front window of hundreds of youths, um I think it was out near Tala, uh shout out to Tala, California. Um and they were, you know, they were as joyriders going up and down and they were ram ramming the cops and you know, um, there were hundreds of people gathered around cheering them on. Um, and even during lockdown, you know, in the same sort of area, I think someone stole a digger from a from a um, construction site and like broke into a Lidl and they, you know, they set the thing on fire. If you think back about it. Things like this are always happening, or have always happened in Dublin. And this level of animosity from certain areas in Dublin towards the cops, towards the government, towards the state, towards um, a part of Irish society—they feel, you know, just either looks down on them, or ignores them, or they just want a rock to tear it up. If you had a pro-Palestine march on the, you know, on Saturday, and maybe people don't like to hear it because these are two, you know, because at the moment the, you know, the the state elements of the state are busy calling all the people protesting last night, far right. Um, They could quite easily have been protesting on Saturday against the cops or come into town to cause a ruck if something else had happened. For, I think, almost any, any protest or any march, they might show up. Um, You know, during lockdown, kids were roaming around the streets on the little scooters, robbing people because people were forced to eat and drink outside uh, for, you know, nonsense reasons. Um, And, kids were roaming around in gangs of scooters and again fighting with the cops so trying to put some context on it for people um, that there is a huge element of a Dublin Dublin society that is willing to come out on the streets um, and just have a ruck with the cops and those reasons um can be quite different and quite difficult to pin down so trying to put some nuance and context on what's happening for anybody listening from outside it looks insane um, um, but it looks like something that could have just happened in in any French city I mean a lot of French cities recently have been having protests there's been you know there's been violent protests in you've seen them in Athens you've seen them in Italy you've seen them in Spain you've seen them it feels like there's a growing tension in society, um, which, I mean, like I said, I, I've said it before in the Agitators Anonymous, um, an awful lot of this is from, I think, the 2008 collapse onwards. Um, the banking crisis collapse and 10 years of social media derangement. And I think classic divide and conquer tactics employed by the uh, political financial elite to separate people, to to, to make them other each other, to think of all the reasons why that they should be um, at each other's throats. Um, And then you just add in lockdown, which, you know, exacerbated the uh, situation. I mean, I stood up my own door and watched... Um, you know, people protesting in the streets of Dublin about Black Lives Matter while in the middle of a pandemic when um, another protest would have been told to stay inside or stay indoors. Uh, So it builds up resentment among people from certain areas about what they see as one rule for thee and one rule for me. Um, And then you pour in sort of uh, classic, traditional classism, the fact that, you know, an awful lot of middle class people look down on working class people and call them this and that and the other. Um, it's a post-Trumpian thing, post-Brexit thing, you know the deplorable class, and um, keep calling people that, and it won't, you know, you doesn't doesn't take much to bring them out into the streets, and torch stuff, um, and it is, it's, it's, you know, it's. I have a love-hate relationship with my city, and it's awful to see this happening in your city, but being super cold and pragmatic about it, maybe not pragmatic is not the right word, but very, very, um, you know, trying to view it. Coldly. And that's what I was trying to do while I was standing in the street watching all of this Um, last night. You know, you could you can you could sense it. You could sense it was boiling up people whose resentment towards the state um, have been, you know, they were compounded by lockdown when um, there's no doubt people behind their screens were getting, you know, were being filled with lots and lots and lots of more insane, extreme. Ideas from either side, and there's a great, there's a great tension in society, and also the fact that just simple, um, the cost of living uh, has just gone up two, three, four times as much in some places, and nobody's wages are wages are stagnant for years. Um, I mean, of course, I think maybe it's simplistic, but inflation 101, right? If you print more money in a couple of years than it was printed in the previous 80, it's going to devalue its worth, right? And then you allow most of your city to be torn up and rebuilt by foreign investment firms where Irish people have no chance of um, owning anywhere to live. Um, You wonder why some people are going to resent that. Yeah, very difficult. Very, very difficult. Um, so just that was just an attempt to try and put some context and nuance about it. Anybody who's been to Dublin or is from Dublin or grown, grown up in an older Dublin kind of knows exactly the kind of um, element I'm trying to put my finger on without being too offhand or being, um, you know, as classist as some of the, you know, ahem. Um, uh, journalists in, you know, middle-class journalists in newspapers who never go down to those areas um, are, but these were the same people who as a teenager or 20-something you would have been in fights with, or, you know, um, cut your hair, you're fucking hippie, etc. Um, you know what I mean, if you know. Um, and so, as I said, the uh, crazy scenes of walking through the city watching, you know, Parts of it on fire to cross the city to the posh side to watching drunk um, rich people in fur coats spill out of expensive bars, trying to pet the horses and um, pissed, wondering what's going on, who've completely missed all of this context. And um, that was the crazy thing. The cops with their, you know, uh, riot gear taken off. Oh, yeah, you know, just casually chatting with some women in fur co- I keep mentioning fur coats, but that was just my lasting memory. Uh, burning buses and fur coats is maybe what I should call the episode. So both sides, of course, rushing, um, you know, to condemn the other with the most, you know, most extreme uh, elements of the you know, the conversation you've got, as I said, I already did a podcast about um, the hate speech bill legislation being passed here and something like this will just move that further forwards. You've got the police commissioner um, calling, you know, it a far right ideological riot, which, you know, anybody who was there last night or looking at it will know that that's not what it was. I mean, of course, there you know might be elements of that. Um, somewhere in the middle of it, but it's just young lads looking for a ruck, looking for a riot, looking for things to fling at the cops, setting fire to stuff, um, looting. Um, I don't think really think looting is a political ideology, do you? Um, but just people looking to rob stuff as well. I mean, that's that's just kind of what it is. Um, but this will be used to order to give the police greater powers to expand their um, you know powers in relation to things like, you know, hate speech, which, whether you agree or disagree, um, is, for me, an Orwellian concept that, you know, can be used to uh, greater social and digital control. That's just my opinion. Um, if you disagree, that's okay, but I would advise reading 1984 to understand um, at least where it came from. Anyway... Um, It's a kind of emergency podcast, not really an emergency podcast, but as they're warning people to stay out of the city again tonight, uh, closing businesses, all that kind of stuff. uh, We could be in for a rather hectic weekend here in Dublin. Um, I'm not one of those guys that's going around documenting it on my Instagram, taking pictures of (laughs) burning stuff, but you've probably seen enough. And God damn, did they clean so much of it up. Um, before most people got to walk around the city this morning they must have been um, it's, it's quite an amazing job uh, shout out to Dublin City Council for for cleaning up the mess so quickly and, and who knows they might have more mess tomorrow morning and if you're getting annoyed at either side of what I'm saying here what I'm trying to do again is sit in the grey area sit on the fence put both sides of the argument say yes there are elements of um, you know there are elements of one thing um, in amongst these protests, but well, we all know that's not the whole story. Um, but at the heart of where this uh, chaos came from is um, the actions of a man, obviously out of his mind, who tried to stab a bunch of um, very small kids uh, outside a nursery in broad daylight. That let that not be lost amongst all the images of burning um, buildings and burning, you know, trams and burning buses. Um, And like I said, it feels like something that could kick off in most Western cities right at the moment. I mean, maybe not just the West, I guess, you know, Um, there's a growing disenchantment and growing anger amongst just regular people with um, what I think rightfully they perceive as a ruling elite class who no longer feel the need to, um, uh, you know, engage with them to listen to their concerns to listen to their worries, to really um, engage with the democratic process. I think too many of this ruling elite class got quite used to the couple of years they had in lockdown where they could just invoke emergency powers and not listen to anybody. Um, And there's a growing feeling that um, of a sort of new feudalism, a sort of new neo-digital feudalism. And maybe it's a bit of a stretch, a bit of a stretch, Ava, but you get what I mean. There's a growing anger and resentment um, as the class divide grows. Anyway, my friends, that's what's happening in Dublin. This is Agitators Anonymous. It's a little bit shorter than usual, so I'm not sure quite how to keep saying the same thing. Um, but read between the lies. lines. Read between the lies. Come on, Slayer. Great song, though. In fact, I keep finding myself going back to South of Heaven more than any other Slayer album. Don't... Mm. Answers on a postcard. Um, read between the lines of, what the, of what's being told to you um, and try and hold the line against the most extreme forms of tribalism on either side, claiming one side is the other and the other. Um, this was, like I said, at the heart of it, a, an insanely tragic, dark thing that happened in broad daylight. And um, it sparked a huge riot. All right, my friends, Agitators Anonymous, in Dublin's Fair City... We'll speak to you next week.